Blog Talk Radio. Hello there, Dr. Ross Green here, coming to you as always live from the offices of Lives in the Balance in Portland, Maine, here on, uh, well, kind of a sad day for parenting your challenging child because this is our last program until September. We take uh, a break here on Parenting Your Challenging Child. Um, during the months of uh, the summer, June, July, August. Uh, But next Monday is a holiday here in the United States, and so we won't be on next Monday, which is May 26, which means that this is it um, for about uh, three, three and a half months. So I've got a lot of uh, email questions um, lined up to respond to during today's program. But um, if you want to get in one last question about your child, uh, identifying lagging skills and unsolved problems, uh, help using Plan B, or pretty much anything else you want to talk about today except the Boston Bruins losing to the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup playoffs, that um, and I'm joking, we could even talk about that if people want to. My opinion is that the team that played better actually won that series. Um, maybe there are some Bruins fans who disagree with me, but um, we can talk about that if you want to. But my bet is that most of our listeners have uh, other things on their minds today. And one is calling in already. Before I take that call, let me remind you of the call-in number, 347 994 And if you want to be reminded of when the program is starting up again in September, um, join our Twitter feed. We don't really tweet about anything else except this program. Um, I announce that this program is going on the air just a few minutes or right as the program is going on the air every week. But if you're a little worried that you'll forget, feel free to sign up for the Twitter feed on the homepage of the Lives in the Balance website, and uh, you'll get reminded. Let's start the program off, though, today with our caller from area code 847. How are you today? Good. How are you? I am well. Tell me what's on your mind. Well, I am a Chicago Blackhawks fan, so we are still in the Stanley Cup playoffs. (laughs) Yes, I'm very well aware of the fact that your team is still in the playoffs, and um, actually it's your team that I thought was going to beat the Bruins in the Stanley Cup finals, except that they didn't make it. So um, I, I like your team very much. I actually like the way the Canadians, the Montreal Canadiens, play hockey. It is a very fast, team oriented, smart game. And um, they beat us fair and square. I hope your Blackhawks fare better. So far, so good. Um, yes. But I, I bet you didn't call to talk about the Chicago Blackhawks. No, I even didn't. Even though it's a, it's a good thing to talk about anyways. What's, what, what do you got going? Well, um, my daughter, who is 12 now, um, I sent you an email also, but um, she 
is she's not very explosive, and I've noticed that when she is, it's always because something that she had, like she's disappointed in something. So it's very random, hard to figure out. Um, but now that she's 12, it seems like a lot of her anxiety is social-related, and I'm wondering if I can use Plan B on social skills or if that is better suited to seeing a counselor or a therapist about that's a good question. Um, the first thing I would say is to the first part of what you said, then we've got to turn to social skills and how they are best trained. But the first thing you said was that um, the uh, challenging episodes seemed random. They were related to disappointment. Um, I spend a good part of my waking hours helping challenging episodes feel less random. Mm-hmm. By, by helping us figure out um, things that a child is routinely disappointed or frustrated or anxious about. Um, and so there's a reasonable bet that I probably would have seen them as less random, but it sounds mm-hmm. like that was then. Um, this is now. And it yeah. sounds like... So if you're still getting challenging episodes over disappointments, I would first of all, strongly encourage that you keep track of what the disappointments are because I'm betting within, in, in keeping track of them, ultimately you're going to find out that many of them are more predictable than they might seem. So that's, mm-hmm. that's thing number one. Social skills are um, sometimes tough to train. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that they are best trained in an individual relationship um, because um, although I do think that the person whose work I admire most in this realm, and you've probably heard of her, but maybe not, is Michelle Garcia Winner and her whole social thinking model. Mm-hmm. Michelle is a speech and language therapist who developed a model for helping kids not only who are having some speech and language issues, but also having difficulty in the social realm. And she has all kinds of resources uh, on her website. Um, Some of them are free. A lot of them are for sale. Um, And she's got it down. She's got how you teach social skills, because a lot of teaching social skills is related to social thinking. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would encourage you to explore her resources. Um, and I don't remember the name of her website, but if you do a web search on social thinking, you are sure to find her and her work. Yeah, I, I have found it actually listening to one of your other podcasts. Got it. So Good. I will explore she, that further because I didn't really look at it too closely. But She's got it down pat. But I think that um, aside from what she does, which, is, um, which is, can be more individual, which is to help kids with how they think socially and to help them do the thinking that is important for engaging in adaptive social interactions. A lot of social skills training takes place in groups. And the data haven't been great on social skills training in groups. Way, way, way back in the day, very early, uh, when I was in graduate school, I did some social skills groups as part of a grant. And we taught one thing every week to the kids who were in the social skills group. There was negative assertion, 
positive assertion, recognition of facial expression, all kinds of things. And I came away from that experience knowing all of the different things that could be going wrong socially and all of the different skills that could, kids could be lacking, but also convinced that if you're doing a group, spending only a week on a particular skill probably isn't enough for a kid who's lacking that skill. Mm-hmm. And the training has to be tailored to each kid because otherwise it ends up being kind of a smorgasbord. We're doing this skill this week, this skill, this other skill the next week, and another skill, another skill even the following week, and we cover 10 skills in 10 weeks. And I found that that wasn't tailored to the kids who were in the group. Some of the kids needed five weeks just on recognizing facial expression. Some needed five weeks just on starting a conversation. Some needed five weeks on asserting themselves uh, when somebody was frustrating them or disappointing them or doing something that they didn't like. And so um, I think that groups still are a great way to teach kids social skills because it's a good opportunity for practice. But I think the way social skills groups have been done frequently um, was kind of naive in terms of what the kids needed and how long they needed to be taught it and practice it for them to have any chance of getting good at it. Mm-hmm. So um, do I think that some of Michelle Garcia Winner's stuff can be done in an individual format? Yes. Do I think groups offer promise? Yes, if they're done the, same, the right way. Do I think that Plan B, do I think that this can be a collaborative effort between adult and kid? I wouldn't do it any other way because that empathy step of plan B is where we're going to get a lot of information about what's getting in the kid's way. Um, So we want that. Mm -hmm. Um, We want um, to feel, have the kid feeling like, because it's true, that this is something we are working on together and that we want to do it in a way that works for them. Um, that makes sense to them, that they're a party to. Um, I think all of the good stuff that Plan B would bring to the mix, especially the collaborative and proactive parts, would be crucial. Does, do, do people like Michelle Garcia Winner provide us with excellent strategies, excellent insights about what's really getting in the way and thoughts about how to accomplish the mission? Yes. But would I impose those things on a kid? No, I think uh, there's great value added in having them be a party to the process and having um, them be in on the solutions. Well, okay. I've just talked a lot. Let's let you get a word in edgewise. No, that's all good. That's, uh, that's perfect. I was thinking it would make sense to you know, try and talk to her in the same way about what's holding her back from you know, making eye contact with people or you know, talking to um, her friends or going up to her friends, um, you know, at a, at a function when we saw someone um, and find out kind of what's behind it. But I wasn't, I don't know. It's, it's not that she has explosive meltdowns when that happens. She just kind of withdraws into herself. And it's, so it's not explosive, but I can tell it's kind of the same thing. It's just she's taking it internal yeah. because she doesn't want to right. make a scene. She's 12. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. And, truth is it would be good to know if she if she can tell you and um if this is shy if this is not having the words if this is not having the know-how 
if this is not really having the interest, um, mm-hmm. you know, when I was a kid, I kind of sort of had to go to parties because people were making me. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm an adult, I don't got to go to parties anymore. And quite frankly, as a very shy person, that, and most people wouldn't know that, um, as a very shy person, it's actually my preference not to go to parties. It's a not my preferred um, way to interact with people socially. I'd much rather have it be one-on-one um, in a scenario where I can actually hear the person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if somebody had asked me when I was 12 um, what's getting in the way socially, I would have had some important things to say, and we probably could have tailored something to make it so that I was in situations in which I could socialize more comfortably and perhaps have an organized plan in which we could help me practice under circumstances that work better for me than just going to a party and trying to practice things that I really wasn't all that interested in practicing mm-hmm. because it just wasn't my gig. Right, um, and that sounds exactly like my daughter. So, yep. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's a, very helpful. There's a lot of kids out there who, yeah. who are like that. Um, and, you know, if we're doing plan A, then we are preconceiving what she needs, mm-hmm. um, what she needs to be good at, um, when, in fact, I think the information we would get from her would be invaluable and would help us move forward with informed solutions rather than uninformed consu- solutions that we preconceive but really may not be what are going to work best for her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can I ask one more question that's a little bit unrelated and very, very specific? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, one issue we're having trouble with is she um, just recently, never has been a problem before, but just in the last maybe six months of this school year, she has had huge major meltdowns as soon as she gets in the car when I pick her up if she has homework that she wasn't expecting and couldn't finish at school. So she's very smart. She gets her homework done, you know, straight A's. And any homework she has would not take her more than half an hour. But she has just these last six months been using um, periods between classes and study halls and um, even like lunchtime, I guess, to get all of her homework done so that when she comes home from school, she has no homework. But sometimes a teacher will assign it the very last period of the day or her homeroom teacher will say, oh, I forgot, here's your homework. And then she'll get in the car and have a huge meltdown and finish it in the car and we'll pull into the garage and she'll you know, still want to stay in the car until she finishes it all, if she can, if she doesn't have to use a computer. And, you know, is crying and screaming and huge tantrum. So I've tried to drill down and find out um, what the root cause is. And basically what she said is, I like my free time. Um, I like to relax. I want to come home from school and have nothing to do. And I can't really, I can't really get any further past that. And then even if I did, I'm not really sure what to do about it because, you know, it's, she, she probably is supposed to have some homework, and I can't really change the school's rules, and I don't think it's unreasonable to have homework. And I've tried saying to her, um, you know, the expectation is that you have, you're in seventh grade, that you have 70 minutes of homework every night. So um, that's not unreasonable. We need to go to school thinking that so that if you have homework, you're not disappointed. And, you know, let's go to school thinking you have homework and um, 
then you won't come to the car disappointed if you actually do have homework. And it hasn't really helped. I mean, it's, it, this doesn't happen every day because she usually can get most of her homework done. So it only happens once every two weeks or so. And so I may not even see it, you know, through the end of the school year again. But I'm just not sure what else to do um, to drill down further. I'm wondering if, if you think there's a, like if I should keep drilling down or how we should handle this. Well, the, what you described of the information that you gathered in the empathy step sounds um, you know, pretty, um, you might be there. So it might not be an issue with further drilling. Mm-hmm. But what I'm hearing is that you may, and, uh, you know, you were going through this quickly, so I don't know if this was the actual process. You may still be feeling a great sense of responsibility to solve the problem for her. Mm-hmm. So what I didn't hear, I did hear in your description information that would have been gathered in the empathy step. Um, she's tired, she wants to relax, it's hard for her to do more homework since she was expecting that there would be none. That sounds like good drilling. So first of all, congratulations on good drilling. What I didn't hear was the define the problem step, and, what I, and, and maybe I heard hints of the define the problem step, but what I'm positive I didn't hear in your description is the invitation, which is where you guys are coming up with a solution together, mm-hmm. and the solution is um, the byproduct of the concerns of both parties. So the reference point for all solutions is the concerns of both parties. We, I didn't hear your concerns in there. I heard, okay. I heard your solution. Yeah. You ought to go to school, assuming that there's going to be homework. So I'm not, and, and that's actually yeah, a solution. Yeah, I think I'm trying to remember what um, what we talked about. I, I remember asking her, you know, can you think of an of an idea to help this? And she was like, no, I don't know. I don't know. I can't think of anything. And I said, well, let's think about it for a few days. I do remember this now. I said, let's think about it for a few days, and we'll talk about it. This was the weekend. And then I think on Sunday night or Monday night before she was going to bed, I you know, said, well, have you thought about anything? She was like, was I supposed to? No, I didn't think about anything. So that's when I came up with, because my solution was, oh, let's, you know, go into school thinking we have 70 minutes of homework, and then when you come out and you don't, you'll be happy. Um, or you only have 30 minutes, you'll be happy. Um, so, yes, that was my solution. Um, but here's the, tr- here's the tricky part. She, I- I'm not sure, and, you know, I wasn't there, so I'm only going on what you're telling me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure the, the, the wording of the invitation is going to be crucial. Okay. It usually starts with, I wonder if there's a way. And what I'm sitting here trying to do is think to myself, do I have enough information about your concern? I got hers. Let's say that, let's say that you drilled just fine. And it sounds like you drilled fine. Okay. And let's say, let's say, just for the sake of argument, not argument, but let's say that you got um, what information you needed. Mm-hmm. She's, she's um, looking to relax when she gets home. Uh, it's hard for her when she gets homework that she didn't expect. That's her concern. But the wording of the invitation is, I wonder if there's a way, and now I'm going to go generic on you, for us to do something about your concern, and I wouldn't say it this way, but also do something about my concern. And so 
Here's what it would sound like only having her concern. I wonder if there's something we can do to make sure you can still relax um, and to see if there's a way for you to be less surprised. And I, I don't know if I'm doing as good a job on restating her concerns as I could because that was like five minutes ago. And, mm-hmm. um, no, you are. You're doing great. Days, my, <laughs> memory's, my memory's left, right? So, but, and, but then there's also a second part of the, that invitation, which is, but also, and this is where your concerns would come in. Um, and we don't want her reaction to, no, to the homework to be your concern. Mm-hmm. We want it to be your concern about sometimes she gets homework that she didn't expect. And the reason I'm having trouble wording it is because I don't know what your concern is yet. And here's why I'm going through all of this. When we give her something to think about, we've got to have both concerns in there so mm-hmm. that she actually has something to think about right. because we're trying to make sure that both concerns get addressed so it doesn't surprise me. Now, now, now first of all, she may not have any ideas for what to do, and in which case, it's fine for you to kick in. But we want to make sure that the solution we come up with addresses the concerns of both parties, and that mm-hmm. means we've got to know what the concerns of both parties are. So let me put you on the spot. Okay. What are your concerns <laughs> about this homework sometimes gets assigned apparently unexpectedly, but I don't know how unexpected it is, Sometimes homework gets assigned when she was hoping that there would be none or when she was hoping to relax when she gets home from school. What are, guess, what's your concern or perspective on that? Yeah, my concern is that it causes her to scream and cry, you know, for 30 minutes or so. And, you know, it's, I guess in her eyes it's not really a concern because she doesn't care if she's doing it. Um, and I guess the only reason I care is because, you know, it hurts my ears. I can see that she's upset. Um, it bothers my son, who's in the car with us, too. Um, I guess it worries me just because I, I, to me, it seems unreasonable because I, she gets the homework done really quickly. If she came inside the house and did it, it would probably take her 15 minutes. Um, it, you know, it bothers me to see her wanting to stay in the car. I feel like there's probably... I don't know. It just seems strange to me. I, I, maybe I'm not saying this very well, and maybe these aren't valid concerns. Maybe it's her way of addressing the issue by doing it in the car and getting all her feelings out and then coming in the house and relaxing the rest of the day. Well, um, I think that what you, I try to help people not focus on what I call the aftermath. Yeah. So we've got this unsolved problem, um, difficulty when homework is assigned at school and it was unexpected, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, that's the unsolved problem. That's it, yep. Her concern is that she wanted to relax when she got home and she's still surprised when there is homework. Mm-hmm. Your focus at the moment, and I, I totally get it, is, what I w- is on the aftermath of the unsolved problem. Right. But but let me put, and that's the behavior, and it's hurt, hurting people's ears, and it worries you, and you think it's kind of interesting that she's still getting upset about this because mm-hmm. it's kind of predictable that she's going to be having homework. Mm-hmm. But um, I think your concern, before, before the aftermath, let me push you a little bit on 
how this is a what what's concerning about this for you and what i what we could say is you're um concerned that it's still surprising for her mm-hmm. and you're concerned that and i'm trying to stay away from the behavior here you're concerned that um she still finds it to be so upsetting because um it's hard for you to see her. Uh, I'm trying to think about what this is going to sound like yeah. in the invitation. Sometimes this isn't so easy. Um, I guess I'm concerned that she can't handle um, having homework because she is in seventh grade. It's not going to get easier, you know, once she, every year. She's uh, going to have more homework. So I guess maybe that's one of my concerns. One of your concerns is that you think it's important for her to be able to handle getting homework yeah. Because the homework load is only going to increase over right. time. Yeah. I like it. And, that's, um, that's great. you know, just to put this in the frame of reference, it's not like we come home and then have to go straight out to sports and music and all this stuff. She's pretty much, she doesn't really do much. So Got it. There's nothing, like she has all afternoon to relax. It's not like she yeah. only has a five-minute window. She is home from 3.30 until bedtime. <laughs> but but so, it sounds like she has this notion there's going to be no homework, and I'm going to get to relax, even though I don't mm-hmm. have soccer practice, even though I don't have a lacrosse practice, even though I don't have a piano lesson. Yep. Um, I'm done for the day. And then yeah. she discovers I'm not done not for the done. day when mm-hmm. I thought I was done for the day, and um, the curtain comes down, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, I like your concern. So now I think we're there. Let's okay. see if I can word the invitation. I wonder if there's a way. For us to do, um, for us to make sure you have time to relax in the afternoon, even if you should get some homework that was unexpected, but still have you get the homework done without a great deal of upset because the homework load is simply going to increase over time. Mm-hmm. So this is something that I think it would be good for us to be able to start handling well now. Um, and that good. might not be the perfect invitation, but mm-hmm. it is it is an invitation that has two sets of concerns in it. And now she actually has something to think about mm-hmm. that would address the concerns of both parties. And so now, now I'm comfortable that we have framed the problem well. The goal is for her to get good at this because it's only gonna the homework load's only gonna increase, and um, we think that there's a way for her to still find time to relax, even if she should get some homework. Now let's think about what that could look like. And a lot of kids, and I don't know if she's gonna be able to do this, would say, "How about we um, do a quick? Here's, here's a potential solution." We do a quick estimate when I get in the car mm-hmm. of how much homework I have and how much time it's going to take. And I take the first hour to hour and a half to relax. And then I've got an idea in my head at least about how long it's going to take. And here's the interesting thing. I think that um, there might be need for more drilling in the mm-hmm. empathy step where we're saying, help me understand what's surprising about this for you. Help me understand 
given the amount of time that you have when you get home, why getting any homework is still so hard for you. Help me understand why, given that you have lots of time to relax, getting homework is going to upset the apple cart so much, because Mm -hmm. that might help us frame her concerns a little bit better. And I'll just repeat what I said earlier. The reference point for all solutions are the concerns that we're trying to make sure get addressed. Mm-hmm. So all I've been saying is let's make sure you get a concern in there. Otherwise, it's sort of only there's, there's only one set of concerns to address. But now that we're talking, I'm thinking maybe there is more to learn in the empathy step about what's so upsetting about this for her. And, and, and truth is, the reason I'm thinking this, I think, is because of some of the information you've provided after we heard about the empathy step, and that is she's got a boatload of time to relax. Right. If she's got a boatload of time to relax, what's still so upsetting about getting some homework? Um, And maybe, she says, it feels like it's going to take up all of my time of relaxing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So are you saying that you're not always sure how much time the homework is going to take? Good. That would be a concern we would try to address. Right. Right. Are you saying that you want to relax a little when you get home, and if we had a time we knew how long the homework was going to take, you could kind of plan for that, but what you need help with is how much time is the homework going to take. This is all stuff that could be going on in the empathy step, Mm -hmm. and that would give her much more to think about when you get to the invitation. But we need your concern in there, too. Otherwise, we really don't know what your concern is about this. Right. Okay. What do you think? That's very helpful. Yes. Good. And I, you know, um, you can um, keep us posted on the program about how it goes. You can email over the summer. Okay. Yeah, um, I probably won't know until until next year. (laughs) Because really, we won't know until September. Until September. Um, She's probably not going to have too much unexpected homework the next few weeks. So. And you know what? Um, that would not be a bad time to practice because mm-hmm. um, the pressure's a little off, it being near the end of the school year. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we could frame this as it would be good to have a solution in place for next school for next year, year when I suspect you're going to be getting more. And this could be part of your concern. Mm-hmm. It would be good to have a solution in place in preparation for next school year because I think next school year there's going to be more unexpected. And mm-hmm. I might even drop a hint in the define the problem step and say, I don't know if I should keep calling it unexpected homework because to tell you the truth, I'm not sure it's unexpected. That's a little hint, right? But see how it goes and keep us posted on the program in September. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Thanks very much for calling in. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Very interesting. We don't often focus enough on the invitation on this program, but we did today, which is cool. Let's, um, we've got a few emails from some of our listeners. Um, our son's explosions seemed to come out of the blue. I think the emailer is responding to the comment of our caller that um, the frustration and the disappointments uh, weren't predictable, back to this emailer. Once we wrote down the unsolved problems through the LSIP, it did help to see that these problems were occurring on a regular basis Sometimes challenging problems hibernate. Try to record those difficulties as well in the ALSIP. Just because the problem doesn't occur regularly, it's still important. Thank you for that. Here's another emailer. Uh, As children get older, the expectations and work from school increase. 
my daughter was able for a very long time to finish her homework before she came home from school. We found seventh grade to be a turning point academically where she found that it wasn't always possible to complete the homework but our at school, but our plan B conversation helped us to work out a mutually satisfactory solution. It took a little time for my daughter to get used to the idea that she may have to do some homework at home, but the problem was solved, and in parentheses, durably. Thank you for that. Um, I do not believe we have another caller at this point, so I'm going to turn in our last, um, what do we got left here, uh, 12 minutes of parenting your challenging child for this broadcast season. Let's see how many emails we can knock off in one program. Here we go. Oh, this is somebody who was responding to um, someone last week. Uh, Dr. Green, you're currently answering a question. This is referring to last week's program about a child who is in spigot opening mode. I think the emailer is is, uh, talking about early plan Bs in which uh, you may be hearing about quite a bit um, and may go quite far afield from the original unsolved problem. And that's not tragic because you do want the kid to talk. Here's the rest of the email. I wish that I could share with the parent about our empathy corner scenario that we've worked into. My son sometimes just needs straight-up empathy, not problem-solving. So we have a spot on the couch where he and I or my husband sit, and he spills one concern at a time, and we empathize with each one. The only deal is that once he's dumped out a concern, he has to move on. Typically, he has multiple sub-concerns regarding the main one, and we let those go on until the original concern returns and then help him direct his attention to the next concern. At some point, he says, now I have an empty bucket. We hug and celebrate and then go on. Feel free to share. Well, I just did. And you call that, hold on, um, you have a name for that. Where is this? Empathy Corner. I think that might be the title of today's program. The Empathy Corner. I like that idea very much. Um, Thank you. Let me move on to another one here. Hang on one sec as I do what i got to do to get to the next one. Here's another one. Hi, Dr. Green. I come from Sweden, so please excuse my bad English. I want to make sure I didn't read this one last week. I think not. Um, I'm a little worried that I did. So let me move on to a different one. Dr. Green, how do I get my six-year-old to stop whining? When he is unsure about something or he is reluctant to try something, he whines and cries. Despite ignoring, using a when-then phrase, timeout, support, offering to help complete a task, and or encouragement, we get nowhere. If I walk away, he follows and then he gets angry, which turns into his attempt at destruction, which we can stop immediately, but physically, by physically putting him in his room, when he is calm, we talk and explain that his behavior is unacceptable and he nods, but then it repeats itself. What next, Dr. Green? Plan B. Uh, plan B is what's next. Actually, what's next 
is you got you need a list. You you need the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems on the Lives in the Balance website. So it's in the resources section, in the paperwork section of the resources section. It'll help you figure out what your child's lagging skills and unsolved problems are. The unsolved problems will tell you exactly what your son is whining and crying about. Um, And unless you know, and those are just the ways in which your son is looking bad. Now, here's what becomes clear. He, He doesn't just whine and cry. Those sound like early ways of looking bad. Um, there's later ways of looking bad, too. If the problem remains unsolved, he'll start becoming destructive. Now, why might the problem remain unsolved? Because it's not being solved collaboratively, and you're doing some wonderful things. Uh, I don't recommend ignoring, by the way, when a child is whining and crying. Under most circumstances, it has the exact same outcome as the one you've described. Um, I don't recommend timeouts when a child is whining and crying. It doesn't solve the problems that are causing the whining and the crying, nor does ignoring. Um, Encouragement doesn't solve the problems that are causing the whining and crying. Walking away doesn't solve the problems that are causing the whining and the crying. It just causes him to become destructive because at every point on the way, your best intentions aren't solving the problem that's causing him to whine cry, and then become destructive. I am betting the house that he already knows that his behavior is unacceptable. Maybe that's why he's nodding, which means that reminding him that the behavior is unacceptable isn't going to solve the problem that's causing him to whine, cry, and become destructive. The first thing you need if you want to get into the problem-solving business is... um, Well, you need a list of unsolved problems. Then you'll need to prioritize them because you won't be able to work on everything at once, two or three at a time. Then, and all of this, by the way, is in the guided tour on the Lives in the Balance website. So you want to go to the parents section and take the walking tour. It will guide you through the lenses. It will guide you through identifying lagging skills and unsolved problems. And it will guide you through solving those problems collaboratively and proactively. I should also note that the vast majority of interventions you are describing in your message, well, all of, uh, virtually all of them, are occurring in the heat of the moment. You want to be proactive, and the only way to be proactive is to identify the lagging skills and unsolved problems ahead of time and then prioritize which unsolved problems you want to start solving first. And I think, I don't know anything else about your son, so there could be other things going on, but just based on what you've put in your email, I think that if you do what I've just described, then over the next two to three months, you should see a meaningful reduction in whining, crying, and destruction. So now let me revise my answer. Take the tour. Um, Set aside a few chunks of time, because I don't know if you're going to be able to make it through the tour in one sitting. But there's all kinds of streaming video and all kinds of um, audio programming, 
to help you um, do everything that I've just described. I'm not going to just leave you hanging. Um, there's all kinds of resources on there to help you out, and the cool part is they're not going to cost you nothing. So good luck. We'll be back in the fall to help you along, and you can give us an update on how it went. We have time for at least one more. Here we go. Writing to ask some questions regarding my six-year-old son, who is both a little inflexible but more so easily frustrated, angry, and impulsive. After reading Dr. Green's book, I still have a few questions. My son, for example, has some problems with entering play at school. He often does quite annoying things, like run after the kids and hold them and doesn't really read the situation at all, so he doesn't stop when he should and the other kids get sick of it. Now, here's the nice thing about that. You've just identified an unsolved problem, so that, there's a good jump start. They have started calling him Angry Boy as they have discovered that they can bait him, and once he gets upset, he doesn't know how to stop being angry for quite a while. I suppose my question is how can we help him to behave differently because when we talk about it, like in Plan B, I can see he wants to change, but he doesn't know how, and we have talked about solutions, but he still can't regulate his emotions and stop himself from doing these things. He is very good at communicating for his age, but I feel like we are stuck because even if it is good to communicate about this, we can't find a solution that works. I'm very worried he will just end up with less and less friends. I should also mention that he is a very sensitive child and a warrior. I live in Australia, but I am Swedish, so I was actually recommended to read Dr. Green's book by a teacher back home. I can't find a psychologist in Australia that works with Dr. Green's method, and I was wondering if you know anyone in Australia, preferably Melbourne area, that does. Also, will Dr. Green ever come to Australia? Dr. Green is coming to Australia, by the way, in October 2014. I'll be there for a week. Not in the Melbourne area, in the Sydney area. Details on those talks will be posted at some point on the CPS Connection website, cpsconnection.com. I do not have anyone to refer you to in Australia yet, but I bet that uh, that won't take long after there's somebody, after I make my visit to Australia. I'm looking forward to that very much. I get a lot of correspondence from people in Australia, and I'm looking forward to being there. There has been interest in Australia, just no one who is a certified provider just yet. Now, back to your question. Um, I don't know if the problem that you are describing is solvable merely through your son, because it sounds like there are things going on with the kids. You're saying that they're baiting him. Um, And I have this sinking feeling that even if you were to um, come up with a solution to help him enter groups more readily, it sounds like you have excellent insight about what's getting in the way for your son already, there still could be baiting going on and still kids who were not making it so easy for him to enter groups even if he developed the skills to do it. So... I have a feeling that the solution is going to have to be one that is arrived at not only with your son, but also with the other kids. And if you don't have access to the other kids, um, you may have to enlist the assistance of the school so that they can facilitate this solution with the other kids. Otherwise, we are trying to change a social dynamic that involves multiple kids through the kid who is having the most difficulty 
And um, I doubt that a solution can be enacted by your son alone to address something that involves multiple kids, especially since he's the one who's lacking skills anyways. Now, it could be that the other kids are lacking skills too, skills related to being inclusive, skills related to how to help someone who's having trouble entering a group enter a group um, and extend themselves and be kind, um, all that good stuff. So you may need help from some of the folks at school and some of the other kids to get this problem solved. Um, and you've got a few weeks left of school to try to accomplish the mission, and then let us know how it went um, at the beginning of next school year. Unfortunately, that's going to be our last question for today on our last program of this broadcast year. But don't worry, I'll be back in September, and we'll keep this ball rolling. Have a great summer. Bye-bye.